Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You can text us your thoughts, 704-570-9610 via the Garage Door Guru text line. Appreciate you hopping on with us. Again, we're from 12 to 3. Then it's the Kyle Bailey Show. I believe Willie P is hosting for Kyle Bailey this go around. And, Fiddy, my question to you is how much do you miss Willie P? And did you ju- did you want to do a swap with Smoke so you could do a show with Willie P later on? You know, I, I thought about missing maybe having smoke just come run middays and me run the afternoon show. But then I had a better idea, Walker. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run middays like I always do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to co-host with Willie P because Willie P needs me to help him carry his water on the air. Is that happening? Are you really co-hosting? No. I, almost, I believed that for like two seconds. But then you said, I need to carry his water on the air. And, and then that you just, stopped listening? Well, that, that just reminded me of the time, of course, when you said, <laughs> I'm carrying your water. And then Willie wasn't exactly too thrilled to hear you say that on the air. Yeah, no. He, he doesn't get thrilled with a lot of things that I say. We have a weird friendship, but no, he is in today for Kyle Bailey. But I will not be uh, on the air with him unless he asks me to come by and, and host a segment or two with him. All right, there you go. So, Fiddy, I think we should. I think you need more Fiddy in your life. So, Fiddy should absolutely do that show with Willie P. Oh, man, I'm all right. We're starting with an insult on the text line today. Jeff Rickard has a better intro than Wes and Walker. That hurts. Whoa, this should hurt you because you made the intro, right? Don't hurt me at all. It's biased. Whoever said that can go to hell. (laughs) That was a 980 number, but Jeff Rickard... And the Charlotte Sports Today show decided to go with the Lincoln Park instrumental. Yeah. And then they had the highlights going in there. And then, you know, it's a nice instrumental. Lincoln yeah. Park. And it comes in pretty damn hard. Like, mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And I remember when he showed it to me before it aired, I really liked it. Yeah. Same time. It just hurts. You know, came up with my own intro. The Three Kings trying to describe who we are. Yeah. Wes, Walker, Fiddy. I'm not going to let him hurt my dog because it doesn't hurt me at all. There you go. All right. Well, I I appreciate that, man. I'm a little bit hurt because I take pride in the music part of it. Now, this person has not texted. That's the thing, though. This person doesn't have another text message in their history. Mm -hmm. And the only one it is is Jeff Rickard has a better intro than Wes and Walker. Like, he felt so strongly about that 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 was the text that he was going to send into the Garage Door Guru text line. All right, man. Go off. I'm telling his mom's chili. She's probably calling him to tell him that, you know, he hadn't paid rent in a couple months and that the chili's on the stove. That's all right. That's okay. (laughs) Hey, it's, it's funny. Everybody's mom or grandma makes the best chili, though, right? Like, I feel like chili is one that is passed down from generation. My grandma made the best chili. What was the sigh back there for you, Fitty? I'm just trying to think. Um... Not really? You don't have a good... My grandma made good chili. My mom doesn't make chili at all. She makes a ton of good stuff, but chili is not one of the things that 
we would eat like that. But my grandma would make good chili. What about you, Fitted? Do you have a, a good chili cooker in your family? Because the Marlowe's <laughs> are noted uh, gas pastors, we don't eat a lot of chili oh. in our house. <laughs> noted gas pastors. But, but I... <laughs> My dad's chili, whenever he makes it, because he can make, he makes it hotter than my mom or or my my mom all would. Mm -hmm. His is really good if you like your chili to have a little bit of kick in the ass to it. I do, I do. Especially, isn't there a hot sauce called kick sweating? in the ass? While you uh, eat it, do no. you like it that hot? Well, that's the thing. So many people talk about how, oh, I don't like spice I, because I don't want it to ruin the food. People that like spicy food also don't want it to ruin the food with its hotness, but you like it spicy. But there's some people that like it very, very hot. There's levels to this. Like There is. Said. There is. And somebody <laughs> did write in, by the way, that we have a fire intro. That was Big Cat Thank Dan you, writing Thank in. You, Thank you very much. And you're right. The ding indicates that is the right answer. Yeah. We have a lot to talk about today, and some of it being college football because North Carolina, they had a lot of storylines coming from them yesterday. North Carolina football sees their offensive coordinator, Phil Longo, head to Wisconsin to coach alongside Luke Fickle, who was reportedly, apparently they got to know each other pretty well over the last year. And you would might say, hey, why aren't you wanting to coach a Heisman candidate this season with Drake May possibly being the best quarterback in the country? But instead, he's going to Wisconsin. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. Doug Branson of Locked On Hornets. He's going to be hopping on with us at 2.20 p.m., so right before the end of the show, before we hand it off to Willie P. We've set the scene. We're pulling up to it. It's time now to get off the bus. We look good getting off the bus. I got something to say. Damn! Let's start with the Hornets' loss last night to the Brooklyn Nets. They lose 122 to 116. And really, if you look at the end of this game, Kevin Durant was just on one at the end. Mid-range jumper, mid-range jumper, kept killing the Charlotte Hornets at the very end of this contest. And the Hornets had to rely on Bryce McGowan's. JT Thor finally got some minutes in this game. Kai Jones playing clutch minutes in this contest. And so look, Wes, there are plenty of losses you can come in and say, Steve Clifford, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. Kelly Oubre, why are you firing that shot up? Terry Rozier, played some defense, please. Man, I look at this game, and the defense was not good for a large portion of it, but when you're playing rookies and second-year players that were drafted in the second round, and in the end, it's just too much of one of the greatest basketball players of all time and Kevin Durant, I'm cool with it, Wes. Like, I'm not going to come in here and be angry at this Hornets loss because, honestly, they probably did everything they could as a 10-point dog coming into this. Yeah, I mean, 73 points in the first half, and the thing is, if the Hornets can get back to full strength, then we can see that depth like we saw last year where they had, I think, five or six guys that were at 15 or better, if my memory serves me correct. And then a, a decent bench, especially when you had Oubre bringing that offense off of the bench because last night in the first half, you get out scored 30 to 10 and bench points by the Brooklyn Nets. Curry came in and lit it up, and Hornets just don't have the depth right now to sustain teams that have good benches, that have guys that can come in there and get buckets. And then down the stretch, you know, what does a good bench do? It helps guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving get a blow every now and again. So then late in the fourth quarter, they can hit those shots like that. KD can go 12 of 19, came down to at the end of the game, they had Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and we did not. Yeah, Steve Clifford did talk about how they challenged the biggest play of the game, and they just did not get it right. 
the challenge to me, I just watched it. I mean, I, I, again, I'm, we don't have every angle, but I am surprised they came back so quickly with an unsuccessful challenge call. When you watch it, it doesn't really look from the angles we have like there was any contact at all. Yeah, so there, there it is. I mean, the biggest play, the, it just wasn't going the way of the Charlotte Hornets, and I kind of just throw my palms up in the air, shrug my shoulders, and say, look, that's about as good as you could possibly ask for. Nobody oh, no. realistically is going to say, with the Hornets bench right now, it's actually pretty ridiculous, their lack of depth. Kai Jones playing 10 minutes, JT Thor playing eight, Nick Richards playing 10. He's starting to fall from that rise he had at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. Mason Plumley played 34 minutes in this contest. Teo Maladon played 11. The second round rookie from this season was your sixth man. He was the first guy off of the bench. And honestly, Bryce McGowan's, he's been playing well, only three points. They're also not trusting their bench, too. Like, Bryce McGowan's was open on the three-point line, and I just don't feel like he got it enough on some of those open opportunities. There was a couple of your-turn-my-turn possessions between Kelly Oubre and Terry Rozier. If that's happening between LaMelo and Terry... Even then, I'd like to see the ball moved around a little bit more. But the the your turn, my turn between Terry and Kelly doesn't exactly make me excited for what's to come on that possession. They turn it over, miss a shot, and the Brooklyn Nets go the other way. So we'll get into some more of the Charlotte Hornets conversation in the next segment. Also, Doug Branson will join us at 2.20. I also want to take a look at the matchup history. For the Carolina Panthers and the Seattle Seahawks, Wes, I was going through the last five games. You could Mm -hmm. really go through what is close to the last decade of games played between these two teams. There's a lot of close ones. Seattle has an overwhelming amount of wins when you go and measure the last decade. But we can go to the one year that Carolina actually got to the Super Bowl, and that's when the Panthers won in the regular season. I think that's when we knew Carolina was seriously a contender. And then they beat Seattle in the postseason when Luke Keekley returns the interception for a touchdown. Seattle kind of comes back. But in the end, Carolina holds on. Here's my question, though. And I want to hear this on the text line. 704-570-9610. Do we still view right now in this moment, 2022, do we still view the Seahawks as a rival to Carolina? Because I could see that argument being made for sure a couple of years ago when there were so many different matchups that were very close and Carolina had meaningful games they won. Seattle had meaningful games they won. But it's been a little bit. Carolina certainly has not been up to that Super Bowl year with Cam Newton winning the MVP. If you were a Panthers fan, Wes, would you view the Seattle Seahawks as a rival right now? No, I mean... You know, when you're all-time 4-10 and 10 against a team, I can't consider you a rival. I think that they've had moments, and I think that they had that portion where the Seahawks were the Legion of Boom and the Panthers had Cam, and they were coming on, and they had some really good football games, but that's not enough to me to consider it a rivalry, no. Fiddy, would you consider it a rivalry for Carolina looking at some of the matchups they've had in their recent history? I would say today, no, but but maybe this Sunday could start getting it back to being a rivalry. In the mid-2010s, absolutely. You could argue it was the best interdivision rival, not just in the NFC, but maybe the entire NFL. I'd like to, to get back to that because those games were a lot of fun. <laughs> You don't you, you think entire NFL is too much? Wes? Yeah, I mean you forgetting about them 49ers Seattle games. I said interdivision though, so like across or you talking about across the NFC, it, right? Interconference is what you mean. Yeah, right? I guess interconference is the better yeah. way. Well, yeah, so if you're going from division to division, you know you have rivals like the Cowboys and the Niners are rivals, not in the same division. 
I would say that in the mid-2010s, Carolina and Seattle in the NFC was the best rivalry out from across divisions. Okay, I see what you're saying now that you change it. Well, and I'm we can go back to the Pats sure and the Colts, that, right? That yeah. was player-driven between yeah. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, and they yeah. weren't in the same division, but they kept meeting in the playoffs, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what was happening between Seattle and Carolina. We, we'll go to the text line. A couple people are writing in. Coward says no. Everyone is different on the team now, and that's exactly what Simon says. Is that also. Colin Cowherd, by the way? Have we figured out if that is <laughs> He's listening to our Colin show at the same time if, that he's doing ours. If, if, if it's not Colin Colin Cowherd, then I don't want you to correct us. So as far as I'm concerned, it is the radio personality, Colin Cowherd. Multitasking at his fine. And we appreciate you listening, Colin, very much so. He says, no, everyone's different on that team. Simon says, also comments, no, without Keekly, Cam, Olsen, or LOB, they are no longer a rival. See, I don't think that matters. You don't think the difference in players No, I don't matter. think change in personnel matters. No, because like Fitty was saying, with Dallas and San Francisco, it's still a rivalry no matter what players you march out there on the field. Yeah, I still hate you. That's fine. I hate you too. <laughs> yeah, other people are writing in, Sam by the Lake, no, it was an era rivalry like the Colts versus the Pats. So that, that seems like a good description, even era if I'm pretty rivalry. sure Sam era. by the Lake yeah. made it up. I do like the made-up description, mm-hmm. an era rivalry. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, maybe Russell Wilson, Cam Newton, the Bobby Wagner Legion of Boom compared to Greg Olson and that defense with Thomas Davis and Luke Keekley. So, yeah, I, I, I can actually kind of subscribe to that theory. Keep texting us. What do you think? Seattle, Carolina, is this a rivalry game? 704-570-9610. We'll get back to some Charlotte Hornets discussion. Plus, I did try the black and chicken sandwich okay. from Popeye's yesterday. I'll now give you we my talking. review. Coming up next, Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. memory lane on the Wes and Walker show talking about some of the more heartbreaking losses our teams have experienced and the experience of watching high intensity high stakes games what we can take what we can't whether you're allowed to talk to us <laughs> if you have that type of hardcore fandom do you believe in the superstitions feel free to text in this conversation on the garage door guru text line 704-570-9610 We'll keep going to it in just a moment. I thought we might have the jingle, but we will play you the Garage Door Guru jingle in just a moment. I did want to get back to the text line before we continue that conversation with some of the Seattle uh, Panthers rivalry stuff. So 704 number wrote in, if you have to ask if it's a rivalry, it's not. I get the sentiment. I feel like there were some pretty high stakes games there, but overall i get the sentiment panther bow said still can't stand seattle or pete carroll rivalry is still on um and then somebody else said brian said i can't consider seattle carolina to be a rivalry because 20 besides 2015 it's been way too one-sided and i think that's kind of the argument you have for some of these rivalries quote unquote if it is too one-sided then can it really be a rivalry you know duke north carolina that's always been one. Jay Billis tells you every single year, it always delivers. That's the one, right? Ohio State, Michigan for a while was pretty damn one-sided in favor of Ohio State. Yeah. But we all still considered that at least 
if you disagree with it being the best college football rivalry, it's at least top two, you know. So I, I don't know about the one-sided stuff for all of these different games that we talk about. I want to get to more of the superstition stuff because, Fiddy, are, are you superstitious when watching Carolina games? Are you knocking on wood? Are you, like, doing up-down, left-right crosses on your chest? What are you doing? Um, I have tweets that I send out before every game. I have, uh, I have outfits that I wear for games. Yeah, so, I did that. So, yes, I very much do – Still follow the same superstition customs I did as a kid, as an adult, because Roy Williams is superstitious, and that way, you know, he is the reason I am the Tar Heel fan I am. But it even carries over with the Mets and even the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, for me, I was so superstitious. I was hell to watch a Tar Heel game with. I mean, I it affected my mood the rest of the day. You lose in the NCAA tournament, you can't talk to me for a couple of days. Like if Carolina lost like that, the 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 most angry I've ever been after a loss. For some reason, it wasn't even any of these Final Four losses. It was the one to George Mason. I don't that that's the one <laughs> that made me so mad. Just because I thought Carolina could go further, <clears throat> and it was a second round loss, right, Fiddy? Isn't that when George Mason beat North Carolina? Because that was Hansboro. I think it's freshman year. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that was the freshman year. They were a three seed, and they lost after George Mason had beaten, I believe it was Michigan State. Because, like, George Mason's run is one of the all-time greatest because of all the brand programs. Oh, they beat Rudy Gay and UConn to yeah. go to the Final Four. That was amazing. But I could not get past that. And so maybe it was helping me in hindsight, the fact that they got to the Final Four. But I went outside, and I was Tyler Hansborough out in the driveway doing the moves and then hitting the shot, saying, see, Tyler, that's how you do it. <laughs> yelling at no one. Wow. And, and, yeah, that's how angry I was. I also had my mom get me a Tar Heel-shaped cutting board. So anytime Jim Nance or any broadcaster would say, heels are on an 8-0 run, I'd be like, damn you, Jim. Knock yeah. on wood. Yeah. I hated it because of the superstitious. Were you superstitious playing football? Yeah, week? yeah, definitely that and uh, watching it as well. My mom sometimes she would be like, you're so superstitious because like in high school, I would wear the same shirt under my uniform. I would put on my uniform the same way. I always had uh, a song that I always listened. Like, I would listen to different music before the game, but I always had one song that I would listen to right before. Oh, what was it? You Stop being greedy, DMX. Oh, that's a great one. Oh, yeah, that song would get me like... That's a great song. Ready to... I don't even know if I can <laughs> ready to ready what? rip somebody's face off. Yeah, there That's you go. what they get me ready to do, man. Uh, well, then we need to start playing Stop Being Greedy before the show. <laughs> we need to do it in our pre-show when we're in the fishbowl and we're just talking yeah. about what the show should Remember the video, of? man? He would be all frantic and all up, man. That, that song brought so much energy. Well, so. DMX. That's a, yeah. I imagine a lot of people would listen to DMX before they'd go play a game. Yeah, man. So, yeah, Stop Being Greedy. And then, like, with the 49ers, uh, especially if they want a big game, like you said, wearing certain things. Uh, I remember one year I had like this routine I would do. It was almost like a dance move. I would like hop out two steps and then cross my feet over and keep hopping them. In <laughs> so you were doing hopscotch before? Yeah, I was doing hopscotch in front of the TV. Like, man. Yeah. Fitty, did you have any superstitions before you would gear up for church league basketball games? Um, oddly enough, no, I did not. But because when you were so dominant, like I was in church league, I didn't need superstition. I knew I was going to kick their ass. Yeah. I mean, if you're Josh Fitty Marlowe, you really don't need any superstition. If you are out there on the court, you might need some help if you can't affect the other people's play. But if you can affect your play, then then Fitty doesn't need any superstition. Are we good with the jingle? Should I go ahead and play that now? Yeah, we're good, dog. All right. Text us at the Garage Door Guru text line. Oh. 
704-570-9610. Kevin said beating Michigan State in 2009 was more relief than jubilation. I would agree with that Mm -hmm. as a Tar Heel fan. When they were able to beat Michigan State in the championship game, I would absolutely agree with that. 5 for 12 said I had lots of superstitions until the Panthers started losing. Excuse me, no matter what. Now, it just really doesn't matter. And so we'll get to some Carolina Panthers conversation a little bit later on in the show as they take on the Seattle Seahawks. Unfortunately, the Charlotte Hornets lost last night to the Brooklyn Nets, 122-116. Here's Steve Clifford talking about a potential update on LaMelo's injury status. I don't know in terms of days, but like, you know, for instance, he and Gordon were able to do, you know, portions of the uh, of the shoot around this morning that we just finished. So they're definitely making progress. You know, they had a good session yesterday, you know, with the with the performance team where they did a lot of, you know, conditioning and agility work. So those are things that they weren't able to do a week ago. You know, so they're making progress. And I, as you know, like, I don't ask Joe and I meet every morning, but it's not, you know, let's put it this way. We're not at a point where he's saying one day, two day, three days, you know, but they are definitely getting better. That was Steve Clifford on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday, speaking with Kyle Bailey and talking about the injury status of LaMelo Ball. We're pretty desperate for him, especially if you're in the camp of wanting to see the Charlotte Hornets win as many games as possible. But you still have LaMelo out. You still have Gordon Hayward out. Dennis Smith Jr. not playing. He defends everybody at an exceptional level. And so that's why the Hornets are losing. I just put it all on Dennis Smith Jr., especially since Wes thinks I think he is the second coming of Dennis Rodman <laughs> and Joe Dumars reincarnated. But the injuries are, are just way too tough for this Hornets team to deal with right now. Yeah. And it's why I'm not going to destroy the Hornets for losing this game to Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving went off in this one too as the game went on. Kyrie really started to find his Seth shot Curry. as well. Seth Curry too. So yeah, Kyrie, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant. Just too much of those guys in the end. Yeah, no doubt about it. The Hornets could have helped themselves on the free throw line only shooting 52%. They got one of their best shooting nights in a while going 53 from the field, 42 from three. Uh, when you talk about this, this bench right now because it's like where really will the points come from? You don't have a lot of guys who are instant offense coming off the bench, whereas last season you had Oubre and Cody Martin and uh, McDaniels was coming off the bench, who's who's really stepping up in the minutes that he's been getting. So this bench right now, it's just tough. Like I said, the Hornets don't have the depth. And if another team comes off and, you know, has a guy like a Seth Curry that could come in and get 20, then you have another guy that gets nine off the bench, well, it's tough. They're going to get outscored on the bench because the Hornets just simply don't have the depth unless the bench is on like that for that game. So I commend the Hornets, though. The biggest thing is just, you know, basketball character not giving up last night because it looked like at halftime that that game was over. We do know the NBA is a game of runs, but it looked like that game was over and the Hornets were going to just chalk up another lopsided loss on the road. But they battled back, man, and they went yeah, there to the end. Yeah, they did. They did battle back. And I was talking about this with Doug earlier again. Mm-hmm. He'll join us at 220. Doug was like, okay, if we're going to be realistic about it, if you're the Brooklyn Nets, then a lot of what you do is gearing up for the playoffs. And they have been playing a lot better lately. They're 14 and 12 overall in the season now. Mm-hmm. And so when they were up 20, they probably didn't play with 110% as much. But even with that being said, we can acknowledge that and also give the Hornets credit for fighting back to actually get to a chance where they could have won. Like there, there was a shot for them to win this game. And Kevin Durant just kept hitting clutch shot after clutch shot. And there's just nothing you can do. And so if you pay attention to the last two games 
against the Clippers, Paul George played, Kawhi Leonard played, everybody played except for Norm Powell. Brooklyn, Kevin Durant's out here playing. Kyrie Irving is out here getting buckets as well. He had 33 points. He was the leading scorer. And I think Kevin Durant, I think he went something like 7 of 11 late in this contest, maybe Mm -hmm. like the second half or or the fourth quarter. But he had 29, almost had a triple-double. It would have been the second, I believe, against the Hornets. He had 29, nine rebounds and eight assists. And then you look at the bench. Brooklyn can trust their bench a lot more. You mentioned Seth Curry. Seth Curry, six-man, 28 minutes, 20 points. For Seth Curry, Marcus, uh, or excuse me, Markeith Morris scoring six in this one. And even Subner came in and scored nine. If you look at the bench for this Hornets team, man, it it goes to show you just the lack of depth that you have on this squad right now. Mm-hmm. Because the sixth man is Bryce McGowan's, who was not getting any run until really like this past week and a half or so. And he comes in and gives you 20 minutes. Nobody else had... Anything close to that, it was Teo Maladon who only had 11 minutes. He was the next closest guy. And so I wonder how much Steve Clifford and how much even the starters are losing faith in the guys that do come off of the pine. Because you could see Bryce McGowan's being open on the three-point line, really wouldn't kick it out. You know, there were times where Kai Jones, I mean, just three turnovers, three fouls in 10 minutes of play. I mean, that kills him, right? Like, and Kai had been doing a good job. But the screens, I mean, he he has an X out, and then he's lunging at defenders. The refs are going to call that every time. This, yeah. these, those aren't bad calls by the officials. Kai Jones can't lunge at defenders, and it just goes to show that they still have a lot of, of youth on this team that needs to improve. Very much so. That's a great point that you bring up because when you look at this bench, I mean, who exactly are you going to trust as you just bought up? Kai Jones is still learning. He's flashing a little bit. JT still looks like he's in that learning stage. He flashes a bit at times. Nick Richards, as we said, is starting to digress. Maladon McGowan. So it, this is definitely uh, the baby bunch. When you it's, look, <laughs> what I'm saying, this bench right now. Uh, it's the baby bees. Yeah, the baby bees right now. They're still trying to learn how to make honey and all that stuff. And it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're struggling. So who's the queen bee right now? Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, we don't have it. I mean, Lamelo is the queen bee. He's sitting yeah. out on the bat. I don't know if you want me to call him the queen bee, yeah, but he is. King if we're gonna King, stick but, with yeah. the whole colony, the high right, thing, right? That's what Lamelo is, and he's sitting there out. Speaking of. Bryce McGowan's and some of these younger guys. Here's more from Steve Clifford talking about Bryce replacing another second year player in James Booknight. Steve Clifford talked about that on the Kyle Bailey show yesterday. You know, I think a lot of it was because of the summer, you know, which unfortunately not his fault because of an injury where, you know, he just didn't get much of a summer, you know, wasn't able to play in summer league, took him out of the weight room. You know, he he hasn't gotten off to a great start. And then conversely, Bryce McGowan, given those minutes, has been really good. For right now, you know, Bryce is going to get those minutes. Yeah, James Booknight's had a real tough start. Uh, th- this is the thing about James, too. I-, I want James Booknight to be a star in this league. You know, I, I don't enjoy talking about James Booknight being arrested before the season starts. Mm -hmm. It's not anything that I want to hold him back for and say, oh, well, now he's going to be a bust. Here's a troubled basketball player that just is never going to amount to anything. I don't feel that way. But James Booknight was given a lot of opportunity in a time when people didn't even think he deserved the opportunity at the very beginning of the season. Steve Clifford stuck with him. Part of that is because of the injuries. And part of that is just paying attention to what Steve Clifford was saying during the offseason. He told you he liked James Booknight. I mean, he told you that every time he would speak to media, 
Book Knight is somebody that just has that natural ability right away, and he just couldn't do enough good things to stay out there on the court. And so if you're to objectively look at this, here comes the second-round rookie out of Nebraska who attacks, who's athletic, who's hitting some three-point shots, who put together some of the better performances in Summer League of any young player on that G League squad, basically what it was, the G League squad, man. Bryce is taking advantage right now. And that should leave you excited for this Hornets team a little bit with that specific player. Okay, cool. Bryce is coming in, playing really well. And Bryce kind of fell. I mean, he was expected to go in the first round, but he was one of these fallers for whatever reason. And he's playing really well. We can we can look at that as a good thing. It's just, man, you'd really like to see James Booknight playing a lot better than what he is. And he'll. I think he'll get another opportunity this season. I do think he'll find himself back in the rotation. It's going to be hard because Lamelo's going to come back at some point. Gordon Hayward, it's not a season-long injury. He'll come back at some point. Cody Martin will at some point, too. So it's going to be tough. With all that being said, I, I think there's too much invested in a first-round player where he doesn't get another opportunity. But that that's going to be huge for Book Knight. Whenever he gets back out there on the court, Wes, he's got to make something shake at that time. And we know that Coach Clifford, he strikes me as a guy that's going to reward hard work. And I think for him, it's going to start in practice. As I've said, you know, I felt like some of his decisions off the court maybe speak to a little bit of his decisions on the court, maybe some of his habits. And so for a guy like that, it's just to me about just becoming a pro, understanding the situation, because now, like you said, you know, he's looking at the fringes because Bryce McGowan's coming in making the impression that he's making. If he continues to do that and Book Knight doesn't step up and play to his potential, he is going to find himself on the outside, maybe on another team or, you know, in a different, completely different situation he doesn't want to be in. So I think for Book Knight, he needs to realize that his time is now because the ability is there. Like you said, Clifford talked about how much he likes him. I mean, I think he's a, a really good basketball player. When he, when he puts his mind to it, he strikes me as a guy that if he really locks in, he can do some things in this league, but it's up to him to want to do that. And you know what's interesting about Book Knight and McGowan's is that I, I think the version of Book Knight that works looks a lot like McGowan's because both are really athletic. Both are in the backcourt. What you liked about James Booknight is that dude could score at the rim at UConn. That's a valuable asset to have, but so could McGowan's. That dude shot a ton of free throws with the Cornhuskers last year, and McGowan's is starting to do that now. Yeah. Like It's not like he's filling it up and scoring 20 points, but he's attacking. He's actually getting to the foul line a little bit, and you know what? That shot is starting to come along. Like He hit a three in this game last it's night. It's hard to hold back aggression. It is, and, and Bryce McGowan's has that, so look— I don't want to be accused of making a Magic Johnson. I just, <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I, I, I agree with you. I, I like saying what if, we're seeing. Yeah, it's hard to hold back aggression. Just saying that when you have a guy that comes in and and they're playing and they're showing you that they want it and they're making the right decisions all while being aggressive and doing mm -hmm. what they need to do, that's hard to that's hard to turn down. Now, Fitty, I do have to ask you one question before we go to your Fitty Flash. The Charlotte Hornets have scored 116 points in three of their last <laughs> four games. Now, they didn't reach the 100 mark against Milwaukee, but the Bucks are putting up what is historical defensive numbers defending the three and the rim. Is Steve Clifford learning how to coach offense in the last four games, or is it still a problem and this is an aberration? I still think he's learning because the shot selection they had in the last four minutes last night was abysmal and it was, it was the biggest reason why I thought they lost 
I thought if they had ran better offense and gotten better looks at the rim, I think they would have won the game. But he does seem to be progressing to being able to coach offense in the modern NBA. But, you know, this wouldn't have been a problem. There wouldn't have been a learning curve had you not fired a guy who had, who, who put together the seventh best offense last year in the NBA. Yeah, I, I still think there would be a big problem with James Borrego coaching this team, right? James Borrego, you're right, good offensive coach. But this team, with that bench, that bench is crazy. I mean, we're not paying attention enough to that. Like, your sixth man is a second-round rookie right now, and it's because your first-round rookie from last year – didn't pick up the opportunity given to him. I mean, it's it's a really tough bench. Hopefully these guys can come back and help Steve Clifford learn his offensive ways. To be fair, I totally agree with you, though. At the end of this game, the, the your turn, my turn between Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier, I mean, my head wanted to explode. Yeah. Like, stop. Move the basketball. They had 25 assists. Like, that's actually better than what they had been doing, not moving the basketball. And then at the end... Jalen McDaniels bailed them out a couple of times, like going ISO, which is great for his expanded game. But man, he bailed them out with some stagnant ball movement. Well, and also I I told this to Willie P while we were sitting here watching in the game last night, the lack of trust and faith they have in Plumlee to do anything offensively. He had a clear run to the rim where if you hand the ball off, he's either going to lay it in get fouled or laid in and get the foul, then go brick a free throw. That's they correct. Just, they just didn't give him the ball. That's correct. And they shot 50% from the free throw line, by the way. I have another point about the free throw line, but I want to go to the 50 flash first. When we talk about the Charlotte Hornets later on, we can do that later in Wes and Walker. But it's time now for Fiddy to take the floor once again. What you got, Fiddy? Yeah, well, uh, Walker, I need you to make excuses for me as to why I don't have a girlfriend like you have made excuses for the Hornets 7 and 18 start. I've made excuses. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, some <laughs> Some huge NFC South news this morning as the Atlanta Falcons are making a quarterback change. They are benching Marcus Mariota, who, when he beat the Panthers back in October, was doing so on his birthday, for uh, rookie Desmond Ritter as really a last gasp for the the Falcons to turn their season around and win this pitiful division. How do you see this playing out for Atlanta? Does this benefit Carolina moving forward? I, I don't know if it benefits them because Mariota wasn't playing well anyway. I mean, there were times when he played well, but honestly, the best game Mariota had throwing the football, it was against Carolina when P.J. had the crazy throw on his birthday. To DJ Moore. Yeah, you're right. So that was the best game we had seen Mariota play. I don't know if it helps him. I do know this. You you like Desmond Ritter, right, Fiddy? Didn't you like him coming out of college? Am I mistaken about that? I mean, look, the guy was a winner. I thought his deep ball really improved last his last year at Cincinnati. I just worry about his size, if if you will. Can he take the hits in the NFL game? I do like Arthur Smith as a play caller. I think he would be a good OC, so to speak, with this rookie QB coming in. What do you think about the QB change? Yeah, I think it's exciting. I can't wait to see what he can do. We know what he did at Cincinnati, and I thought he was a a pretty good player there. So I'm interested to see. I, I, I feel a little bit like if they wouldn't play him over some of the stuff we saw from Mariota, maybe that's a little bit of an indictment of what they think about him at this point. But now's the time to unleash him, Mariota. We've seen enough. We'll holler, and uh, I'm excited to see what he brings to them. All right, we'll visit the campus corner coming up next. We'll take a look at the most intriguing bowl contest involving local ACC and SEC teams next on Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.
Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Taking a look at the bowl schedule with some ACC schools in the mix alongside some SEC schools. 425 number did write in the Garage Door Guru text line when we were talking about Desmond Ritter. Go back and watch him in the preseason. I know it's preseason, but the guy can sling it all around the field. He has some good accuracy. Do you feel more comfortable, Fitty, with Desmond Ritter starting quarter, uh, being the starting quarterback for Atlanta as a Panthers fan? Like, Would this make you happy as a Panthers fan, or does it really matter? And, and, and to me... I think that's where I kind of go with. Like, I don't think it really matters. I mean, my thing is that they're they're st- the Falcons are still first off ahead of you. They're still very much alive in this NFC South race, and they're starting a rookie the last four or five games of the regular season. So, if I was a Panther fan and you still are holding out hope that you can win this division, I think yeah, then yeah, I, I would look at this as a positive and say this gives us a chance moving forward because usually when this happens. It doesn't end very well. Remember the Browns did it with Johnny, but they were seven and five. They finished seven and nine. I mean, if the Falcons finish five and twelve, who's going to be sitting here surprised? Yeah, we'll see about Brock Purdy though. He could break the trend of that coming in as Mister Irrelevant for Wes's San Francisco 49ers. Brock Purdy did a pretty good job coming in after the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's visit the campus corner and let's look at some of the bowl games that do include these ACC and SEC schools. I'll start with one that includes both. How about the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl between Wes's Wake Forest Demon Deacons and Willie P's Missouri Tigers? Are we going to have a bet on that game? Or do you not I don't, know. I don't trust Sam Hartman in bowl games like that, so I don't know that I'd be willing to bet. Seriously? Do you have any faith in, I mean, I know you don't trust Sam Hartman, but I'd still favor Wake Forest in this one because of the offense, because of Sam Hartman. Who are you favoring? You think so, but um, (laughs) I mean, you would think so. I'm going to go with my Deeks just because they're my Deeks, but it's a very shaky trust right now. Yeah. I mean, Sam Hartman did finish with some pretty impressive stats, Mm -hmm. 3,400 yards, 35 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. But a lot of those meaningful stats came in the first half of the season. And that includes a really hard-fought loss to Clemson where they almost upset the Tigers. But in the end, Clemson was able to pull that one out. And then it all came crashing down for Wake Forest. Who do you have in this game, Fiddy, between Wake Forest and Missouri as this game is set to take place really just a couple days before Christmas? I'm going to take Wake Forest as an ACC versus SEC matchup. So I always pull for the conference in those situations. And then if Wake Forest wins... I get to call Willie P a willing loser, and that makes me very happy. A Willie loser? Is no, that... a willingly loser. Like, he willingly is a... Like, I call him a loser now anyway mm-hmm. with no reason. He loses to uh, Wes's Wake Forest team, but maybe he is a Willie loser. <laughs> okay. Willie Wake loser. Yeah, okay. anymore? No? I was trying to think of everything else. I, I just like <laughs> loser. Okay, there you go. Yeah, just, just call him. And then now I'm just going to call him loser now. Uh, Cincinnati-Louisville. Interesting game here in the Wasabi Fenway Bowl because Scott Satterfield is removing himself from this game since he's taking over the Cincinnati head coaching job by leaving the Louisville head coaching job. Also, I got a trivia question for you guys. All right, let's hear it. This is a rivalry game. What trophy do they play for? I have zero clue. I, I did not know that this was a rivalry game. The Bird's Nest Trophy. I thought the Panthers and Seahawks rivalry was bigger than this one, but maybe I'm wrong. They play for the Keg of Nails is what they play for. And I only know this because on rivalry weekend, Flounder and I spent over an hour looking at all the rivalry trophies that exist in college football. This is one of them. Is it the best one? 
No. What's the best one? Because Keck of Nails is a pretty awesome title. Um, that is. Paul Bunyan's Axe is the best that's what I was gonna rivalry say. trophy. That's a great one, too. Uh, but, yeah, this game's going to be interesting. Going to play in Fenway, so a historical baseball setting. And you've got one coach who's left one school for the other school that's in the bowl game. He did the right thing, though, and he removed himself altogether from, oh, yeah. from the game. If Louisville wins, this momentum heading into next year with Malik Cunningham coming back, Jeff Brom taking over that program, could be enough to carry them to a special 2023 season. Yeah, who do you expect to win this game between uh, Cincinnati and Louisville in the Scott Satterfield Bowl, even though he's removing himself? Oh, I like Louisville all day. The intangibles, they're going to want to stick at the Satterfield. They're going to be extra motivated for this game, so I'm definitely going to go with the cards. All right, let's have a couple of bowl games on slate for Wednesday, December 28th. Let's start. Are you going to skip over East Carolina and Coastal Carolina? I was just going ACC, SEC, but we can do that. Okay, I was going to bring up that one. Go ahead. You you brought it up, man. What are your thoughts on (laughs) ECU, Coastal? Well, no, I think this is a good, you know, a good game between the two Carolinas. I mean, East Carolina looks like they're back on the men, and Coastal Carolina, even though they're getting a new coach in, I think this season, you could classify it a little bit, I guess, as a disappointment off of the success they had a couple years ago, but I think that's just an intriguing local matchup between two teams. It is. All right, who do you pick to win that one? And the Birmingham Bowl. Uh, I'm going to go with East Carolina. They keep the momentum going. I think Coastal's in a little bit of transition right now, getting a new coach and things like that, but I think East Carolina's going to build some momentum towards next season. All right, well, there's your analysis on the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl from one Wes Bryant. (laughs) That'll make Salty Pirate happy. uh, It absolutely will. I was going to try to skip to your boy, Riley Leonard, since he's taking on Central Florida. After all, Riley Leonard is the best quarterback in the A's. Okay, here you go. I'm just asking. So (laughs) when you think Riley Leonard is that talented, you got to think he beats UCF, right? Well, it's a little more nuanced. You guys are putting a little extra (laughs) funk on it, okay? He ended the season season playing the best football. I will agree with that. So, uh, yeah, Duke and UCF, that's going to be a good matchup, a good test for Duke. Uh, ooh, Central Florida, though, they got they starting to build a little bit of pedigree with how good they've been over the last, I guess you could say, five, six years or so. Uh, I'm going to go with Riley Leonard, though. No, I was about to say, you, if it's 50-50, then you got to go with that. Yeah, I'm going to go with my man. Now, I will cut you some slack because I'm sure the only reason you named Riley Leonard the best ACC quarterback is because you anticipated Drake May leaving. And so right, because you, of that, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of space. You say the best. He just, I don't, I don't count it as the best. It's just he ended the season at the top of the power pole because he was playing the best football at that moment. But Drake May did say on Twitter that, of course, he's not leaving. He's a Tar Heel. Right. So but three not, touchdowns in three weeks. He's not going to be leaving the Tar Heels. He's going to be coming back. But so, again, I will cut you some slack. Who do you think wins between Riley Leonard and UCF, Fitty? This is a really big opportunity for that Duke program. Going, going up against a program that's won a national championship or has claimed to have won a national championship. And as Wes said, they're now a, a standard group of five uh, contender year in, year out. Give me Gus Malzahn, though, and Central Florida. At some point... This feel-good story for Duke football has to run out. I think it runs out in the bowl game. Let's go some rapid fire because we do have a couple of other Carolina teams I want to get to real quickly. NC State, Maryland, the Dukes, Mayo Bowl. Well, we'll go with North Carolina because they're playing Oregon on the same day. So let's go with that one instead. Tar Heels, Oregon, Phil Longo leaving as OC, heading to Wisconsin. You do have the Ducks and the Tar Heels taking each other on for the first time in college football program history for each of these schools. We'll start with you, Fitty. How confident are you in the Heels win? 
in this one? It's going to be a sexy uniform matchup. Give me so the Ducks, sexy. though. I mean, Bo Nix is already committed to playing. Carolina's secondary has been decimated via the transfer portal. Give me the Ducks and probably a route. What you think, Wes? I think I agree with 52. I think it's going to be too hard with all the guys Carolina has missing and with Oregon being pretty much at full strength. Well, plus, what reason have they given me to believe in the Tar Heels the last month of football? I can't do that. Yeah. Now that you have all of this chaos taking place with the program and Bo Nix provides Oregon a little stability heading into this bowl game, I can't feasibly pick the Tar Heels to win in this game. What about NC State and uh, NC State Maryland in the Duke's Mayo Bowl here in Charlotte, North Carolina? Kickoff at noon on ESPN, December 30th. You picking NC State in this one, Wes? Yeah, I think if MJ Morris is available to start, I think that they should be able to get it done. Maryland is dangerous, though, with a little uh, Talia. Little, yeah, little Talia, Tua, baby Tua, baby Tua. Baby Tua. That's right. Yeah, yeah Tua's little brother. Charlotte. Yeah, Tua's well, little brother. Does. That'll be a good That's matchup, true. but NC State's defense, we know what they bring to the table. If MJ Morris is available to play, I go with NC State. What you think, Fitty? I'm actually going to take the Terps, and it's not just because I hate NC State. That's a big reason why, but it is because of Talia Tag. Of Viola, a guy who has shredded Big Ten defenses for now two seasons and too many question marks at NC State uh, and in that quarterback room. You're going to see with guys withdraw from the bowl game because of the NFL draft. Give me Maryland in an upset. Now, I'm going to go with NC State because of their defense. Last one we'll mention here, South Carolina, Notre Dame, C. Stanford P. I'm not forgetting about the SEC or South Carolina. What do you think is going to happen in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl, West South Carolina or Notre Dame? I'm going to take Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's been playing good football. They did take a tough loss to Southern Cal, but I think that uh, the cupcakes at the SEC will take an L uh, at the hands of Notre Dame. Hang on. You still can't call them that after they beat Clemson and into that 40-game. Oh, Lord. Game. It was the first streak. time in eight years. <laughs> they knocked out back-to-back playoff contenders in consecutive weeks, though. Yeah, but it was the first time they beat Clemson in forever. So you're not going South Carolina, or you are going <laughs> South Carolina with the newfound faith? I, yeah, I, I feel like Spencer Radler really came into a zone at the quarterback position. Those guys are just believing at an all-time high right now. And look, for Notre Dame to win games, they got to play a certain brand. I don't know if it's going to travel on the road into the hot southern conditions. Give me South Carolina. All right, that'll do it for a little preview. We'll We'll talk plenty about bowl season as we get closer and closer later in the month of December, but that's a little preview. We just left out Clemson. Yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> did you want to slide Clemson to Tennessee in? Well, we're we're up against the break. I was going to try to talk about that on the other side. Okay, but all right. Quick, no, we can talk about it on the other side. Because it's the biggest one. Okay. It's the biggest bowl all game. Right. Clemson, bowl game. Coming up next, Wes Walker, Sports Radio <laughs> 92.7 WFNC.